Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. Today I am joined by Chris. Hello. Brent. Hey. Myself. Hey. And we are Sands TJ today. Yeah. So. He's at the Sands Resort. He's at the Sands <laughs> Casino. On assignment. On assignment. Fighting a good fight again. We are actually, TJ petitioned his homeroom teacher to get a homework extension. He saw it, but we thought we would uh, wait till everyone's back together to talk about The Handmaiden. We'll, we'll talk about that for next week. So we only have a couple people and aren't going to do a main topic, but still wanted to talk. Talk. Talk yeah. and talk. <laughs> I feel like a Pokemon. Like I just, <laughs> just reduced to the word talk for a second there. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to go through our uh, watch list and do a, a little news segment. And that's going to be it. Going to do a bite-sized version today in what we are calling... Small talk. Small talk. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to kick it off? I can kick it off. Kick it. I haven't kicked it off in a while. Um, for what I've been watching, it's kind of TV heavy. Um, obviously watched Fargo, the this uh, season three. Mm-hmm. Got through the first two episodes so far, and uh, it's interesting. I do I do enjoy it, and I like being in that universe. And you know, we were talking about the Fargo universe. Yeah. Things just feel definitively the, Fargo or not. The Fargo Legion extended universe. Yeah, that extended universe. It does seem so far like it's either building stones to do something, like building bricks for something, or it's kind of a retread of the first season where it's just going to be a uh, going to be a crime and something's going to happen. Whereas mm-hmm. I thought the second season kind of like kicked that off and expanded it into some crazy stuff. There's UFOs and mm-hmm. you know weird business and and tracks across multiple states. You know, yeah. you get North Dakota in the mix and Minnesota. Yeah, but uh, I'm enjoying it so far. And St. Louis and Kansas City. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, the syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> I have been enjoying uh first couple episodes that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is definitely the breakout character so far. Like, in the uh, breakout character kind of trajectory. Yeah, I've, I've only seen the first half of the first episode, and I really like it. But, you know, just need the time to sink in. It's three episodes to air so far, yeah? Yep. Uh, two episodes. Yeah, and uh, while we're on the topic of Fargo, uh, it started season two this this week. So, oh yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You're right; it's definitely weirder <laughs> like with the yeah the weird UFO that just flies right over and then zips off into. <laughs> See, and that's the thing is, I, I hadn't started season two when David and TJ or when David or someone was saying like, "Well, then there's a season two thing about the UFOs," and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! What a spoiler!" Nope, nope. <laughs> It's just minute six. It's just there. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the uh, the Marge Gunderson uh, is it Bob Nakamura uh, scene in the movie mm-hmm. where it's just like this weird thing of him inventing his wife having cancer. Spoilers for the movie, but that just happens and there's nothing that comes of it. It's just like a weird thing in that universe. <laughs> That's very Cohen. Yeah. yeah. How Cohen's brothers is it? It's been a while since that. <laughs> yeah. Gotta keep our jokes alive. We're, we're finally consuming something that is very Cohen Brothers. <laughs> Based on Cohen's. Anyway, I watched that. I'm enjoying it. I'll reserve uh, judgment on its its placement just yet. Uh, you know, if, it, if, it, if season three winds up being the sophomore slump, you know, that's fine. They'll still have me for season four. Yeah, me too. I still like I still like hanging out with those characters in that atmosphere. I feel yeah. like you don't get anywhere else on TV. That, that kooky bullshit. That kooky bullshit. Also... Uh, I think it premiered two weeks ago, but watching Silicon Valley and Veep. Mm-hmm. Um, Silicon Valley, I think, is just a good show. Yeah. I don't think it's a great show, but it's kind of a fun fun hang for 30 minutes. Yep. As someone who's only seen, I think I've only seen the first season, it, does it maintain its quality? Is it pretty much steady from season one through wherever they are now? 
Yeah, I, I think I don't think it peaks past that, and neither does it go below that. Yeah, good. It loses some of the surprise of how funny it is uh, yeah. in the later seasons, but mm-hmm. um, it's still it's still really entertaining. I don't know if I just stopped watching because I didn't think they could top the the dick joke yeah. from season mm-hmm. one. Yeah, the final episode. That's just amazing. Yeah, that's just one like of my favorite gags ever. A perfect gag. Yeah, and even the worst episodes uh, are carried by T.J. Miller being T.J. Miller. Right. So. It's it's worth it if you appreciate his brand of humor, the the Mister Somebody in a room full of people who don't care. Right. I don't know. I really appreciate T.J. Miller. Yeah, that, that's always a good equation. And then watching Veep, Veep's funny, but I got this weird feeling that like Veep is not hitting the right spot that it used to for me. Do you think like reality just got a little too real for Veep? And I think they so. Didn't know how to quite deal with that. Maybe I was just kind of excited, like with the momentum and like cultural consensus about what's happening in politics right now. Uh, Veep right now. Are you watching it? No, I mean I know I know where Selena is in her her career, but it just seems like it's really minor and irrelevant and not really doing anything with that platform. Which nothing has to, but I guess I just expected it to. Yeah. You know, in a unique position there, and uh, why don't it just seems more seems much more miserable and mean show than the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Like just to its characters, not like biting satire. That it's more cutting than usual. I'm not enjoying it as, as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, again, setting something up. You never know. But seems kind of minor so far. Other TV, uh, Stranded with a Million Dollars. Yeah, I kind of... That's finale. Not, I don't really don't care about the finale of that. Did you see it? No, but I talked about it with people. Oh. I spoiled it for myself because I was trying to find an interview to see if season two was a go. And found like the interview with the original creator... Because if you're not familiar with the production history of the show, it was made entirely by a production company that was unaffiliated with any TV network. Hmm. And then MTV just bought the whole package. Wow. Um, and integrated it into its lineup and then did its edits and cuts and stuff. And so I was reading an interview with whatever MTV exec was, you know, hitched to it. And they said, you know, like, well, you know, we would like to see something more exciting than, than the remaining four uh, win, the, win the money. And it's just like, well, okay. It's yeah. kind of the premise of the show. Yeah. Like, I like the premise. The finale wasn't that exciting. You know, you get you did get more Thrive Nuggets, Pichat, and more Rivers. Yeah. More streams, so that was, that was kind of fun. But it is kind of anticlimactic. You do have the same four, and everybody mm-hmm. ends up winning the money. Yeah, and I think the real winner is Gina. I do, too. Even though she was she was kind of a dis- on the team of despicable people, she was never someone who orchestrated a despicable thing other than she whined a lot. But she was important for the campers' morale, and she was the person who I think was least likely to succeed. She mm-hmm. was the 25-year-old cocktail waitress who was planning on flaring out on, like, day seven and stuck it out for 40 days. Yeah. So. And especially, you know, towards the end, not having food or water for, like, three straight days. Yeah. And then doing, like, a five-kilometer hike through the woods with rappelling down a waterfall. Yeah. It's like, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, other than that, I also started watching, uh, the wife got me into uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, which is just a lot of fun. <laughs> There's like so many colors going on. Yeah. So many puns. I know nothing about that show, so is it like, what? It, what's the concept? The concept is there are 14 drag queens that try to vie for who's the best drag queen, and it's from a various different aspects of what a great drag queen is. Ah. It's like uh, good photos. Uh, lip syncing is very important. 
Um, making, awesome. And making your own costumes. So far, I've only seen two episodes. One of them was like an underwater shoot, and then uh, and then like making your own costume out of garbage. But it's got to be fabulous. <laughs> so and the other one was derelict. Li- <laughs> 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 the other one was uh, what was it? Oh, it was lip syncing through famous moments of RuPaul's Drag Race because I, I stepped in at season five. <laughs> So it was like these seasons before. These so they had famous. to know they had to like know previous seasons really well. Yeah, they gave them like laptops where they could study lip syncing, and some of them just go like. They got bad points for that. Some of them were on point. Everybody knew every single character, even like minor ones in the scene. They would reenact. Mm-hmm. It's the most entertaining part is RuPaul though. He's uh, she's really funny. Yeah. She's, I was saying uh, before the show, there's not a single transition moment or just like point of business in the show where you say like, you guys are up for elimination that doesn't go by where a pun is not inserted, mm-hmm. like about people's names or about, uh, uh, you know, drag queens or something like that. And it's just super witty. Yeah. Incredibly witty. Has like a, a great charisma too. And like I was saying before, I haven't seen any of RuPaul's Drag Race, but on a whim, Kelly and I just basically fast-forward binge-watched Skin Wars, which is another uh, reality competition that mm-hmm. uh, RuPaul is associated with, where uh, w- once a season they do bring the, the drag queens on, and it's the the challenge of the day is they have to do drag queen makeup and costumes, but made entirely out of body paint. Um, but RuPaul was always, you know, it's, it's hosted by Rebecca Romaine Stamos, or Rebecca Romaine, sorry, and anytime. She would introduce RuPaul. It would be, you know, here's our judge, you know, Judge A. Here's, you know, Judge B. And here's the fabulous uh, RuPaul. And then he would always, it was RuPaul Charles. So he would always say something uh, ridiculous. And it got to the point where they must have left more on the cutting room floor. Because it would be like, and here's RuPaul. And he'd go like, bananas. (laughs) And like, that was what made it to air. (laughs) So we just ended up fast forwarding, waiting for RuPaul moments. <laughs> mm. And some of the great things are the uh, the drag queen uh, the drag queen names are always like great before and afters or puns. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is uh, there was a, a contestant he was eliminated in season five three years ago, so mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling much. But his name was uh, Penny Tration. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> and you, you can just imagine all of the uh, yeah all of the nicknames off that yeah nicknames and puns. Ugh. So besides TV, I only saw one uh, one movie. Uh, it just came out for Netflix on May first, mm-hmm. but it was Mike Birbiglia's uh, "Don't Think Twice." Oh, nice! It's a movie about improv comedy, and one member of a group goes on to go to a fake SNL called Weekend Live. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. really good. Um, Keegan Michael Key is great in it as like the ambitious guy, where a lot of people are having fun or kind of doing stuff. Yeah, there's like a whole cast of ex improv. People right as like the supporting group. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tammy Sager is one of them. You have uh, Chris Gethard, who's really funny. Who else is in it? Kate Micucci. Mm-hmm. She's good. And uh, Jillian Jacobs had uh, never done improv before, and she's probably the best part of the movie. She's nice. she's really good in it. So it's when you said it's Mike Birbiglia, is he just the star, or did he direct and write? Uh, all three. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a triple threat. Yeah, I've seen his other. I've seen Sleepwalk with Me. Movie. Mm-hmm. Is that the movie he did? Where it's yeah. like, it's a scripted movie though, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. it's good. I liked it, so I'm gonna check yeah. this out. This I, one is I more think, ensemble, yeah. and it's kind of, it's a little bit good because he's kind of got like an 
like a anti charisma that's its own kind of charisma. It's kind of nice in an ensemble setting because you got much more lively characters. He's probably my least favorite part of the movie, but you have a whole team of people reacting to stuff and kind of assessing their lives when someone makes it big and they don't. It sounds really like negative, and part of it part of it is kind of soul searchy, depressy, but it kind of ends on a very I don't know cathartic moment. Mm. I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of a small stakes movie, but there's always room for those kind of movies. Right. Book. Yeah. I think Mike Birbiglia is a great storyteller. I mean, Me that's, too. that's his stand up is, right? You know, long form stories. And they're always really entertaining. Although there is some examples in the movie of like bad improv, and there's like something really, really cringy about bad improv. Like, yeah. Like bad open mic karaoke or anything like that. Just like, ugh, puts me on edge. So mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, bad improv, my uh, lately my uh, fall asleep while I watch this show has been The Office. Mm-hmm. And season two, I think, of The Office is where uh, Michael Scott does not get invited to Jim's party. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to his improv class, and you find out that what he does at improv is he just does the same thing in every situation, which he turns himself into an FBI agent with a gun and shoots everybody on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's all he can do. <laughs> We started, we started doing The Office also. It came up as like, watch this again too many times on Netflix, and we, we bit. You know that doesn't go away. Once you finish it, it's still going to say, hey, Dave, you want to watch this again? No, it'll, it'll give us a break. <laughs> <laughs> it knows. Yeah, right. And watching watching small Mike for Biglia movies is going to make The Office <laughs> not get recommended to you. <laughs> it's all part of my plan. I don't have a well-orchestrated plan like the Oracle yeah. style, but... You just... You just yeah. Jam the same TV shows through a sieve and just hope that something makes out the other side. Yeah, Operation Sieve Jam. <laughs> sieve Jam. <laughs> but that's me. Bunch TV, one movie. Cool. Kerplunk. Chris, you wanna? Sure, I'll go. I'm also late on movies. I watched, uh, I actually did watch something recently. Oh, yeah. I watched The Good Dinosaur. Nice. Oh. I hadn't seen The Good Dinosaur. That's um, sweet. Yeah, it is. I understand why it didn't do as well as other Pixar movies. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think I have a personal bias against it also because, man, is the animation just gorgeous. Yeah. Because it's it's also, it's 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 a Pixar epic. Like, what, hmm. other than Finding Nemo, is a Pixar epic. So they have these sprawling vistas, and it's prehistoric, so they can do whatever they want. They can have... You know, snowy mountains on the backdrop of tropical beaches, and mm-hmm. you know they they have fun with it. But if that dinosaur doesn't look like the goofiest fucking thing, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like somebody like the rough draft was drawn on somebody's thumb, and then they had a three year old interpret it, <laughs> and they're just like, well, I guess we got to animate. This is all we got, and we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cute. You know, it's it's Pixar, but it's kind of hitting below Pixar's normal standard. Mm-hmm. You know. If we're playing the the letterboxed game, it'd be a three and a half. Where I I, I think Pixar averages four to four and a half. Yeah, um, it's still 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 good, Bet, better than Cars too, but probably on the same level as Cars. It just came out the same year as Inside Out, which I think is an all time Pixar. Yeah. I think it's the only year there's been two Pixar movies. It is the same year. Yeah, and I think it came out. I don't know if it came out anywhere near the Crudes, but I couldn't not think of the Crudes, and the Crudes was a good movie. It's, you know, another, like, sleeper. I guess people just don't care about, you know, cavemen or cave women. <laughs> <laughs> cave people. Cave people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It obviously wasn't that memorable. It just, just came to me that I saw it. Um, dinosaurs look stupid. 
And I don't know why, but in every dinosaur movie, why are pterodactyls just the jerks of the dinosaur world? <laughs> <laughs> just like, for no good reason, they uh, hunt in thunderstorms and use their wings as shark fins, but in the clouds, which is a really cool visual. <laughs> but then, like, they steal this baby child away and then just, like, fly away going, the storm provides. <laughs> <laughs> and like in, in the Jurassic Park sequels like the pterodactyls are just like shit heels just like irritating it's people people assume that if you take a big bird big birds will suck except for the one that's yellow and walks around <laughs> Sesame Street well there's always Petrie on Land Before Time yeah. maybe he was just too small to be an asshole yeah Petrie <laughs> was annoying Petrie was irritating mm. I don't know Maybe I won't besmirch the name of Petra on the before time. Hollywood, you are challenged. <laughs> Write a movie where pterodactyls aren't dicks. <laughs> Maybe a lead character for once. Let's get some pterodactyl-themed media yeah. out there. I mean, I think the the dinosaurs movie, do you remember that one where the dinosaurs the floats come to life? Yeah. And they're like actual dinosaurs. I remember the It's like, book. A, like I an think early it was like 90s a, the hmm. kids movie. Was that That's not We're Back, is it? Uh, yeah, story? yeah, We're Back. But the, the the pterodactyl was this like neurotic like weirdo. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe because they 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 have got the build of bats and they think that bats are, you know, these anemic. I don't know. But everyone can't. loves Batman. Dude, it's got to be a crime fighting dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, crime fighting pterodactyl animated movie. Hollywood make this yes. pterodactyl. Ooh. Ooh, maybe, maybe this is where we get our we try and get our writing credit. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe a pterodactyl drag queen. Pterodactyl. I was actually thinking Terry pterodactyl would be a good drag queen name. The other stuff that I watched, uh, watch The Leftovers. We're going to pause to talk about that. Yeah, all, all I'll say on that is uh, if you're listening and you haven't gotten into it, we'd still recommend it strongly. Uh, I think this season is great so far, and I think it's the best show on TV right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And they, they did the episode three thing again. Episode three, just it's a piece of... The story that follows one character, and I just love those. Yes, yeah. Um, every one of them that they've done has been great. Was last year the preacher? The episode three? No, that was season one. Was season one episode three was the preacher? Oh, yeah, yeah. Last year, I guess they didn't do it as much, but they followed um, the son, the preacher. Oh, is that what you meant? The John's son? No, I meant Christopher Eccleston. Oh no, yeah. So Eccleston was the first season, and then uh, John's son is the second season, mm-hmm. and then this season it's character unknown um, right. since people are still watching. But I will say that that performance was one of the best single episode performances I've seen on the show, or yeah. any show. It was just phenomenal. Really yeah, it good. Was, it uh, was put the show in your back acting. Rarely does a single person have to carry like that show, because it's such an ensemble show. Yeah. And But this this the performer in question from this past <laughs> week definitely managed to. Uh, and I thought that my favorite part wasn't even that. It was... The monologue at the end. I love both monologues. Yeah. I love the fir- yeah. the earlier one with the uh, mm-hmm. before that. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. the uh, but the one at the end was just yeah, it was amazing. Um, so leftovers. That's a way that we can talk about it without talking about it. But <laughs> yeah. It's really good. We encourage everyone to watch it. I think we may uh, maybe mid season, depending we'll on what's going in. on. Maybe know. next weekend we break it open. We'll be we halfway have... through the season next week. Yeah, because yes. there's only eight episodes, and we'll be done with episode four. Yeah. 83% of the way through that entire show. Unless, for some reason, they decide to resurrect it. Which was... Or a Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Both are appropriate. 
Um, Leftovers get sent to the hotel. <laughs> Can it make it out? <laughs> so the other thing that I watched, uh, today actually I started The Get Down Part 2. Oh. I don't know if anyone here has watched The Get Down. It is Boz Lerman's, right Boz Lerman? Yeah. His retelling of the rise of hip-hop and the b-boy movement in uh, the 70s in New York. Hmm. Um, it is incredibly entertaining. Nice. Because instead of having to pack all of Boz Lerman into a two-hour Great Gatsby retelling, he's got so much more room to play. Yeah. And it mo- the most that he uses his fantastic vision is on one character, and it's the DJ. It's Shaolin Fantastic. <laughs> and he has a whole mythology around him that Shaolin Fantastic is an actual superhero. Um, and, like, his shoes never get dirty, and he only has to throw one punch. Nice. But it's 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 a really great show. Um, Jaden Smith Outstanding. Um, because I think he's... Heard you say Jaden Smith is outstanding? No. <laughs> uh, Jaden Smith is irritating. I wish that he would quit acting. That's all I will say about that. <laughs> or maybe start. No. <laughs> um, and the last thing I want to talk about, this is something I just kind of got on because I was excited about um, the Game of Thrones coming back, is there is a series on YouTube, it's a channel called Alt-Shift-X, hmm. and it's this guy who does all the work that you meant to do when you're talking about Game of Thrones. And he just recently put out a new episode, and it wound up in its in my like recommended feed because you know I watch a bunch of nerdy shit on YouTube. And it was like, where are all the Valyrian blades in Westeros right now? Yay! And he, and he does it. That's cool. He does it by um, here are the swords mentioned in the book, here are the swords mentioned in the movie, and where are they respectively? Because you know there's a big fork that happened at the end of last season, right? Mm-hmm. And just kind of goes through how many are accounted for, how many are known lost, and how many just are unmentioned. Let me ask: Did Sam get his family sword before yes. he left? Yes, he did. He okay. brought he brought so it to the citadel. So one is way down south at the citadel, right? <laughs> and feel free to throw that thing north somewhere. Yeah, it's, the thing that I forgot. The thing that I forgot about that um, is easy to remember is that it doesn't have to be a sword. And That's true. he talked about the the first one. He was like, "Well, it's one that everyone forgets about because it doesn't have a name." But when the assassin tries to kill Brandon Winterfell, the reason why they know it was an assassin hired by somebody else and not someone from Winterfell is because the dagger was Valyrian. So there is a Valyrian steel dagger that Peter Baelish has. Interesting. Because in an accounting of Valyrian weapons, you think, oh, there's ice that got melted down to Widow's Whale and Oathbreaker. One of those is buried, right? With Joffrey? We don't know where it is. I don't think it's clear. Okay. Tommen may have it, but it's, he's never been shown with it. Or now, yeah. Whoever. Right. Uh, you know, Oathkeeper's still with Brienne and Longclaw's with John. Right. Um, supposedly, Euron Greyjoy has two. Hmm. We have not even seen Euron Greyjoy, have we? Or is it... Yeah, no, we have uh, seen Euron. We haven't seen the other brother from right. the books. Okay. Right. The, Euron's sister. The drowned Victarion. Yes, yes. Is Euron uh, Theon's sister? No, that's that's Yara or Yara. Asha. Euron is the one who came back and killed Theon's father. Right. Threw him off the bridge. Balon. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's. I think that it would be a really fun thing, and I'm going to do it. Go through this guy's videos, Alt-Shift-X. Very matter-of-fact way of presenting things. Um, there's no bells and whistles. They're just basically laid out in an image grid and anything that associates with it, you know, it puts on the one screen 
And then if you change subjects, you shift over. Mm-hmm. And some of those images stay on the screen from, you know, with relational context. Sure. It's just really well edited and put together and spoken very matter-of-factly with citations to um, what text he's pulling it from, even pulling from, I guess if you want to be completely spoiler-free, pulling from some canceled chapters or some hmm. uh, revised chapters from books hmm. um, and from some fan readings of George R. R. Martin and people retelling what Martin has said um, with those given the amount of gravity that they should. Well, Chris, watch all of those and we will give you a chain link for uh, <laughs> to, to go in your maester chain. <laughs> maester Chris. <laughs> and so, something else I watched, I know Brent watched, so I will save it for him to talk about. Burr. Burr? Okay. Me now? Yeah. Uh, well, let me start with the movies that I watched. I watched, uh, I think, three movies uh, four, uh, if you count the handmaid, but we're not today. So I uh, reconfigured the uh, design of Oracle, Praise and uh, yeah, and now the obelisk is is, is uh, gonna cover, start covering a wide swath of years. Oh, uh, yeah. As a result, uh, my movies, the most recent movie Oracle had me watch this week was from 1967. Okay, oh, it's called Two for the Road. Have you ever heard of this movie? I have. It's uh, Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn as a couple, and it's about them. It's about like the like the long life of their relationship, and it's about them meeting and then being in love and married, and then them being bitter and angry at each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's told in a way that's you start off with them being like bitter and angry, and they are taking this like road trip through. Uh, France, and apparently they have t- all taken many trips through France through their relationship. That's mm-hmm. where they met, mm-hmm. and you just get to see their uh, through their memories. You get to see the evolution of their relationship. They are really good in the movie. My only issue with the movie is that it's kind of hard to follow because I think the it, it's told in a very very nonlinear way. Mm-hmm. It is it jumps from like I think there's maybe four to four or five total vacations that are covered. And they jump back and forth between them a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be easier to follow if I had a better knowledge of hairstyles from the 60s and, <laughs> and 50s. Because I think you're just supposed to know from like what Audrey Hepburn is wearing and how her hair mm-hmm. is. You're like, oh, this is clearly later than this other one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> and so it was a little tough at times. I'm like, well, do they hate each other now? Because they're acting real friendly. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so it was... It was a costume change, so... <laughs> right, so it was... Right, or it could have just been a costume. I was getting a little confused during the movie, but I thought it I thought it was not... It was not bad. It was above average, but... Were you, were you at all dissuaded by the fact that it is the plot of Blue Valentine as well? <laughs> is it, you're the one who dislikes Blue Valentine. I do dislike Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine. I, they're just so awful to each other. Uh, I don't know, this one... I found elements of it charming. Okay. But, like, for the letterbox, uh, I gave it three. Okay. So, you know, above average. Uh, It was, uh, I think it was Academy Award nominated for the script, Hmm. which... uh, Was confusing. (laughs) Yeah, like, the the dialogue was was pretty good. There's this, although they they do repeat the same line over and over again. Two for the road. (laughs) That would have been great. You want to go to France? Yeah, you and me. Two for the road. Starring us. That's like... (laughs) What kind of, they keep, they always ask, like, 
what kind of people can sit at a table and not talk to each other? And the other one answers, married people. <laughs> and, you know, and they, they use that to, like, different effect throughout the movie. Mm. And it's just like, eh, get it, move on. <laughs> uh, I think uh, it's 1967 is when they invented callbacks. So <laughs> it was pretty flashy, I'm sure. Yeah. Anytime, anytime the, a movie can get Brent sitting in a room by himself to say, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might have done a little too much with it. Uh, after that, I watched a movie from 1941, Alfred Hitchcock's Suspicion, which I, I liked a lot. I'd seen it before, but mm-hmm. it had been a long time since I, since I uh, saw it, and it is an aptly titled movie, because that's all it's about. It's, uh, you know, this uh, Jane, uh, Joan Fontaine meets Cary Grant, and he, they have like a little whirlwind romance, and then she spends an hour and a half of the movie just thinking he might be a killer, and mm. that's the... That's the concept of it. There's a lot of Hitchcock movies where, like, there's the big ones. I know what Vertigo is. South, or, almost said South by Southwest. <laughs> Sick. It's the one where he, Alfred Hitchcock and a bunch of hipsters watch movies all weekend in yeah. Austin. Yeah. Um, but I've seen, like, like those top tier ones I can definitely connect with. There's some, like, lesser known Hitchcock that I've seen, but I can't really match the title. Because they're all, like, kind of generic. This is a movie that... that like, That's how like, I felt about this. Notorious is one, yeah. but that doesn't really give away the the title. Suspicion, same way. Prior to watching this, I could not have told you. I was like, "There's one Alfred Hitchcock movie with a one word title where there's a glass of milk involved in, in that <laughs> in that like a famous scene with a shot, and it isn't Suspicion." But I would not have known that. I was like, "Suspicion, Notorious." To me, they are the same movie. I don't know, but. Uh, it's easy to remember now because suspicion is about suspicion. <laughs> a that, lot of suspicion. That is fair. I think most of his are, though. <laughs> True. Uh, anyway, it's, the, it's, it's great. I the, loved it. They do call Alfred Hitchcock the master of suspicion. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the notorious master of suspicion. Yeah. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> Next movie I'd never seen before. It's from 1940, Fantasia. And That's a weird one. I know. I'd, I've never seen it, and... Will not be as effusive praise for this movie. Uh, I I get that it was a a big deal when it was released, and it was probably very stunning to audiences yeah. in 1940. And the music is great, but there's just not much to watch in that movie. Yeah, and it's kind of boring. Yeah, and I'm sorry, it's really boring. It's really boring. I mean, that's that's that was the point of it, right? It was, they were they were creating animated stories for classical masterpieces. Yeah, um, and they had live score—not live score, but they had a full orchestra as the score of the movie. You know, it was—it was a technical showpiece. Yeah, from Walt Disney. Yeah, I and think it, even more than like uh, like there's some fairy tales and stuff where they did the Disney touch too. I think this was purely technical. I don't want to say it's like a technical jerking yourself off <laughs> because that wouldn't make sense. But there, there's not much. There's not much. Finesse in the storytelling to it. It's yeah, kind of like there's no storytelling. This happened. Really. There, well, there's the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and that part was right. entertaining with the brooms and the. Yeah, mm. it's like it's like a, a clever and, and enchanting little short, but some of the other stuff is just just like multicolored waves crashing against a cliff where Mickey Mouse is standing on it. Yeah, there was also uh, I do think it's uh, it's where uh, Terrence Malick got his inspiration for uh, that that interlude in Tree of Life. <laughs> <laughs> it, was from, it was right in the middle of Fantasia. Oh, it's the creation of Earth. Great. <laughs> and Except in 1940, dinosaurs. Walt Disney, there were 100% less Jews created <laughs> that day. <laughs> I just would like to see like uh, the cut of Tree of Life when you got a bunch of like brooms going <laughs> all over the screen. Yeah, it's 
I, I realize that you get just as much out of that as if you just like put it on in the background and just listen to the the music. Yeah. And Walt Disney came out with the first like chill wave movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's it for movies for me. It's uh, other than that, I've been watching TV because it's it's you know it, it hit me that this is like this is like good TV season yeah. right yeah. now, and it's really kicking off. And I feel like it ends with Game of Thrones, sort of like it starts in in the in the spring with uh, various things like leftovers, and and it really carries on through through the summer. Um, yeah. Not to be blasphemous, but it's this summer. I was kind of more excited for the summer. Uh, we'll start in April, but kind of kicking off summer TV season rather than the summer movies. Like I couldn't really tell you much many summer blockbusters. I'm actually excited. Guardians about. two, a lot of sequels. <laughs> it's like yeah, you just have to think of every series and think what's coming up next. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so I already mentioned Fargo. I mentioned we talked about leftovers. I I also started, and I think this is what Chris was alluding to earlier. I started. I watched the first pilot episode of American Gods on Stars. Yeah. So we have two very different different perspectives because I know nothing about the story, mm-hmm. and you read the book. Yeah, fairly within the last year, so it's still kind of fresh. Yeah. Well, Chris is the maester. <laughs> so what did you think of the first episode? I think that it is wild how they decided to tell the story. It's so disjointed. I mean, they got a budget from somewhere because they definitely showed it off. Yeah, especially in that ladder, uh, the the like the faceless. Yeah, with the, with the children. That's yes. that's what he called them. Yeah, I don't want to get too excited about just seeing the part that I liked in the book, right? And I feel like that's why I'm going to keep watching if it continues on with what the pilot did. There was hardly any storytelling. I feel like you kind of get a sense for who Mr. Wednesday is out of the pilot. Yes. And Mad Sweeney, but you don't really know much about Shadow Moon. And that could be intentional. Um, and this is not, not spoilery. Who was Mad Sweeney? Mad Sweeney was a porn stash. He was the leprechaun. Leprechaun. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, Shadow Moon is, is it, that's kind of his character. He is, he doesn't have much personality. His, his whole oeuvre is, is something is driving him forward. And he's not in control of it. And he just goes where, you know, people take him and tell him to go. Yeah, I found it a little difficult to follow, like, the story. Didn't know what was happening. It was nice to look at. There were a lot of, like, cool visuals in it. I did appreciate the one reference to the day Wednesday, so that let me know which god Mr. Wednesday was. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Because I know the origin of the word Wednesday. Right. Which helps. Um, which is, by the way, a spoiler for people who don't know the trivia, because it's not revealed in the book really that early on. Hmm. Oh, so it just that's just me knowing, like, yeah, knowing that odd it's, little fact. It's it is a reveal to Shadow when he finds out. Interesting. So um, it's so it's a little bit of dramatic irony, which is fun for us. Yeah, but I think most people probably don't know the origin of Wednesday. I think uh, we're talking to Adam's family. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, the TV show The Adams Family. Yes, <laughs> no, I think it was pretty. Yeah, not lis- not some of our devoted listeners. <laughs> um, hey, Katie. I, th- <laughs> I, I think it was so. The, the, I did roll my eyes at one part. Bill Quiz. The what? Bill Quiz. No, although that was a little. I was like, uh, I feel like they could have done that better than that guy just getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> 
Did um, you watch that the premiere, David? No, it sounds bizarre. I'm it's just, really I'm just drinking this in right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the part where I rolled my eyes and uh, was the the arm holding a sword yeah. flying through the air and <laughs> goes through a, <laughs> goes through a man's neck. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, that was the point where I said, "Well, I, I thought to myself, okay, this is." This is reminding me of another star show that was not that good, and that's Spartacus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is very Spartacus to me right now. Yeah. It's just the, like the the blood gushing from open wounds and whatnot, and it's mm. it's really bizarre. But I thought it got better as it went along. I mean, basically, anytime Ian McShane's on screen, I'm I'm pretty pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's so he's good. good. And 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 the, and the cast just gets better. Uh, you know, Peter Stormare is going to feature heavily. Peter Stormare. <laughs> Uh, Kristen Chenoweth is perfectly cast. Um, she plays Easter, um, and anything that you would think is associated with playing a character called Easter. Yeah, the woman who plays Bill Quist is beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what else she's been in, but like they did like the pre-show, like you know, interviewing people, like what are you going to see, like what do you expect out of this show, mm-hmm. and they started talking to her, and Kelly was like, oh my god, who is she? It's like, if you think she's attractive, uh, just wait, because I know what character she plays. Yeah. So, you know, I told Ashley... Crispin Glover's in it, too. Oh, weird. Yeah. I was, uh, she she said, so, you know, let me know if I should watch it. And I said, I'm going to hold off on saying yes or no for a few more episodes. I plan to keep watching, just to kind of see, because I'm, I'm, the the whole premise of the plot is really interesting to me yeah about that there are gods old gods walking around and then new gods that come into conflict with them mm-hmm. but the show itself I, as far as the first episode I was just kind of like eh, I was a little underwhelmed mm-hmm. but well I'm gonna stick with it yeah but I'm not to the point where I would recommend it to others no I think I think I'm hooked because of how interesting it is mm-hmm. and it, I think that's what makes it such a successful book too is that it is it is a literal page turner as characters get introduced and you go like, oh, holy shit, they're going to make a personification of that god. Yeah. Or they're going to make a, a god personification of that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 some of the driving force. The same way that, that you'll watch like a superhero sequel. Like, I wonder how they do Ant-Man. Like, sure. nobody, nobody gives a shit about Ant-Man. Right. <laughs> like, it's, you know, no offense to our, our devoted comic book fans, but the people they make those movies for are not the people who love Ant-Man. So, you watch Ant-Man because you know he's going to be one of the Avengers. You want to see the cool stuff that they do with this new character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that that might be a driving force for me to continue watching. And it was when I was reading it. For me, it's... For people who didn't read the book, I get the feeling, though, that it might it might be a like a Wikipedia series where you need to have something pulled up while you're watching it to be like, who is this? Mm-hmm. And, like, because it's... There's not a lot of exposition. No. So far. Could be on purpose, like it's yeah, kind of a sure. stunt pilot, or with uh, you know I'm just coming out this just random guests having neither read the book nor watched the show. Kind of the other part of the choices, <laughs> the combination of choices. Yeah, but it could also be you know if it's about personification of ideas and you know things. Obviously, plot may not necessarily be the big thing. It may be kind of the personification is the thing, or the yeah yeah interaction rather than what's happening is how these characters feel or something like that. And it, and it might be guilty of trying to be too faithful to the book because the book is told not from an omniscient perspective. It's told entirely from Shadow Moon's perspective. Right. Being in the dark in episode one where Shadow hasn't really 
like nothing actually like his conversation with with the kid and the children you know is really indicative of how much he knows like he gets jumped and almost killed because you know people assume he knows more than he does because he's paired up with Mr. Wednesday and he doesn't mm-hmm. know who anybody is he just was offered a job right. that he reluctantly took so hopefully the exposition comes yeah quickly because yeah. do you think it's going to lose viewers and i can't imagine this show going on for more than two seasons if they stretch it out to two Mm-hmm. There's one other show that I really want to talk about, and I'm super excited about this show. Uh, it's a show that uh, might challenge leftovers for best show on TV right now, and it is uh, The Handmaid. Or no, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn homework is messing me up. Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Have you guys watched it yet? I've not seen it yet. I, I haven't. I read yet. the book, though. Uh, just so another... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did not read the book, but... Uh, Watch the first episode just on a whim. Yeah. And just like, I, I feel like I should check this out. And as soon as I was done, started the next episode. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when I was done with that, I started the next one. I just, I, it's not a show I would recommend for binging. I'm really glad I just went ahead and caught up because they're releasing, they released the first three episodes last Wednesday. And from this point on, they're going to release one every Wednesday mm-hmm. until the first season's complete. It is, it is a heavy show. Uh, obviously, if you've read the book, you yes, know. Um, very much so. But Elizabeth Moss is amazing. Just amazing in that show. And so is uh, Alexis Bledel. Oh, really? The, from Of Gilmore Girls? She plays uh, her confidant and friend, uh, Off Offgren? Off oh, yeah, yeah. Off mm. And, yeah, she is, she's really, really good. And I did mm. not know she had it in her to be, like... I mean, I don't know. I never watched the Gilmore Girls, but I just assumed I she was just, like... I don't know, a cute kid or yeah. something. <laughs> I highly recommend that show. It's 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 heavy, but it's mm-hmm. really really well done. Yeah, it's not going to have like the glee of a leftovers. I mean, the leftovers <laughs> has got more humorous, but it's still like you know it's punishing there's, sometimes. There's fascination in their misery. Like well, the the mm-hmm. Margaret Atwood book is pretty very humorless. Yeah, bleak, bl- very bleak, mm-hmm. but very interesting. Yeah, it is funny. Like leftovers is oddly humorous, given that it's a show about grief, mm-hmm. and they're, yeah. they when they choose their moments for for humor, they choose them really well. Yes. If but, if they keep doing opening title gags, I'm going to oh pencil God. that in as like one of the greatest shows. Yes, but yeah. Anyway, Handmaid's Tale is is depressing, but like if you're gonna be depressing, you need to be like really well done, mm-hmm. and they managed to. I love I love that Hulu is kind of bucking uh, Netflix's trend, and that they are doing the we're going to have a certain number of episodes available immediately, and then we're going to dole them out. Yeah, I kind of like that. It kind of meters out um, people catching on with it. Yeah, like day one, you, you have people who have watched everything, and then you got people that you know are yeah metering them out. Yeah, we we are almost we were in the process of watching the path. Mm-hmm. That's the Aaron Paul cult show, and we really like the show. But uh, I, I kind of want to binge it, so I, I, I want to catch up for Handmaid's Tale because I know TJ's watched a few episodes. I think I, I, I can't keep straight in our thread yeah. whether he's talking about that or the movie or the yeah, homework. That's true. <laughs> but I, I, I want to watch whatever's available this week so that we can kind of get spoilery with it and talk about it because I think that's. Yeah, that'll, that'll be, be a fun show to do it with. I'd it's... be interested as the uh, the maester who's read the book mm-hmm. to have that perspective too. Yeah, it's a and watch it. The the sex scenes and the uh, horrifying, like just 
horrifying. And and the even more so though is the is the a birth scene. Mm. And that is the most disturbing and like thing I've seen. I was so just I felt so angry watching hmm. uh, episode two of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, the book makes you very angry. I'm sure. Anyway, a lot of good stuff on right now though. Yeah. Peak TV? Yeah. Uh, oh, also, real quick, Survivor. This yeah. Week, or Survivor. Ding dong. And, uh, yeah, ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> Debbie voted off. Debbie, it was pretty much sealed the moment Debbie looked at the camera and said, we've got the numbers now, we're completely in control, nothing can stop me in this game. Yeah. <laughs> when, it, when, when someone finally was like, I just don't like how cocky she is. I think it was, it was Aud- Aubrey. Yeah. Aubrey, who was finally like, She's just so cocky. And it's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Finally, they're going to send her home. So, And then they started the selective editing, probably. And then for the rest of the episode, it was just her being like, well, we got this wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, uh, Debbie also had just a, a just one of the most idiotic schemes I've ever seen uh, with absolutely no forethought whatsoever. So she decided... You, you don't. You're not watching this season. No. Okay, so she decided that she was going to get Aubrey in her pocket, and this is how she was going to do it. Hmm. She was going to tell. She was going to go to Aubrey, so that their plan was to vote for who? Their actual Michaela. No, that's who they lied Zeke. about. Okay, so Debbie and her people, she thought she was with, were going to vote for Zeke. Sure. So, so she, Zeke's trying to make moves. So she tells Aubrey, "We are voting for Michaela tonight," and she says. To the camera, she says, I'm going to tell Aubrey we're voting for Michaela so that Aubrey trusts me, so that she thinks she's with us. And that way, in future weeks, she'll know that I've got her back. And I'm sitting there thinking, but she's going to see the votes. (laughs) Yeah. And she's not going to be gone. Aubrey's going to be the only one voting for Michaela. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason, and another reason why Debbie did it was because if... If Zeke has an idol, then Michaela will get voted out. Thinking that telling a single person, like that—that's just not how tiebreakers work in that game. It would be whoever the other five people right decide would go home, yep. then goes home. Not Michaela for some reason. She <laughs> just she's like a past survivor person. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she not only is a past survivor person, she spent twenty-four hours with apparently one of the smartest players in the game. Who sat her down and told her, you know, the, these are the angles you should take. You know these players. You know like what they hmm. are good at. You know what they're bad at. You know what you're good at. And I can tell you what you're bad at. And here's what it is. It's overconfidence. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he immediately <laughs> asked her, so are, do you have any concerns in this game? And she said, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm cool with everyone. Despite just having a blow up and Culpepper being like, what the fuck is wrong with that person? <laughs> Yeah, so I will miss her just idiocy a yeah. little bit because she was she was fun to hate. Yeah, I liked the heel turn from Sarah. Yeah, I I really appreciate some like heads up play by her to realize that she doesn't have to be the bottom of six; she could be in the top three of six. It's, it was the move she needed to make for her game. Yeah, and I wasn't sure she could do it, but and I don't think she that they could carry that forward because. The, the the predominant the the old power six they've got the physicality that the others don't I yeah. mean an alliance of Sari Zeke uh, the blonde Andrea <laughs> Andrea Aubrey and Sarah like Sarah and Andrea might win challenges 
but like the rest of them are just going to smoke them. So, anyway, this is a good episode. Yeah, I liked, I liked it. it. How many people are left? Still a good bit? Ten, I believe. Because yeah. it was a 6-5 vote. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the vote-stealing thing. Have you seen that before? Do you know how that works? That is a first, I believe. Sarah won a special reward of some sort where now she can, uh, at some upcoming vote, take away someone else's vote and cast it her herself. Interesting. Yeah. There are there we are could a, kind of game the numbers a little bit. There Does are everyone f- know she has this? No. No. Anyway, so that's that's everything for what we've been watching. Nice. You guys wanna do news real quick? Brizzy on the streets. Brizzy on, on the streets. streets. We got a light news week. Light news week, we'll just t- touch on a couple things. First, uh, uh, uh Avatar sequels two through six <laughs> were announced their release dates starting in twenty twenty. I saw some articles and some podcasts where people are excited about this. I'm just like, I, I lack the ability to care about something well, like this three years in the future. I'm really looking forward to Avatar 4. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think at that point in the story, this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's the one where they're going to um, do, the, do the prequels. And actually going to tie into the Aliens movies. Oh. Yeah, I was, was going to look forward to the crossover. Yeah. Terminator. <laughs> it's actually... It's, it's. Anyway, uh, another thing. <laughs> um, the new X-Men sequel to X-Men Apocalypse. I think it's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. It's got a subtitle, because they all do. Yep. Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. A chance to right the wrongs of Brett Ratner's X-Men The Last Stand. Yep. It's been rumored for a little bit that that's what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that doesn't come as a big surprise. I think Did- if you're in the X-Men universe, the Dark Phoenix saga is the most... Uh, I don't. I don't want to be uh, aggrandizing about this because I'm not as well versed in the comics as some people. But I think it's the most epic, well-known saga in X-Men. Well, since, Dark Phoenix. Since they already did a, the Age of Apocalypse, you know, might as well do the next big world-ending event. So, having watched her on Game of Thrones, I think she's fantastic. But having watched Apocalypse, I don't know if it was just Apocalypse, but uh, I don't know. I wonder if she can like carry a movie. Is it? Is it going to be centered around her? Um, almost certainly. Almost, yeah, I believe so. Like to the extent of a like a Wolverine movie, what? No, I don't think so. Okay. The Dark Phoenix saga includes a lot of X Men and a lot of uh, other mutants. Yeah, okay. it's got a different director. It's no longer Brian Singer or or Matthew Vaughn or anybody like that. Yeah. So you know, I don't, I'm really interested. Mm-hmm. I always like to give X Men movies a chance. Yeah. Um, also, uh, speaking of uh, directors, there's going to be a new Chronicles of Narnia movie. Apparently there were three. That, that's yeah. what I found out in researching this. I loved, at the time, Lion with the Witch in the Wardrobe, the the famous Chronicles of Narnia movie mm-hmm. uh, from a Lonely Island rap. Yep. The second one, I, I think I only saw part of it on TBS. I think the same for me. <laughs> yeah. I only saw part of it. I think, it, this was, I think the second one was Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. Yeah. And then the third one, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, apparently came out, and it's just not on my radar. I completely missed that. Like no I didn't idea. know it came out. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one, they're doing the silver chair, <laughs> subtitled Frog Stomp. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm interested in those. I probably like the Chronicles of Narnia books are more important to me than the Lord of the Rings, just because those were the books I read as a kid. Yeah, I didn't I read really read Lord of the Rings as a kid. Mm-hmm. I read read all those little things, and they were smaller books. So just yeah, I think I was about what would be about the right age, eight or nine, for reading all yeah. the all those books. Uh, I think that's probably when when mm-hmm. I read them, and I loved them. Yeah, me too. So um, I'm kind of excited, and it's going to be uh, Jay Johnson who did uh, Johnston, who did uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. He did. Uh, he's doing the new Jumanji. He did the Rocketeer. 
He's, nice. actually, he's been around for a while. He was a protege of Spielberg, so could be interesting. And then last for news, um, David Fincher's apparently going to do a World War Z sequel. I never be got around to seeing the first one. I heard it was like pretty good, and I just I felt I was kind of zombied out by that point. Yeah, I, I saw the first one, but I caught it later, like at a Netflix style, and it was it was all right. Set up the global zombie thing, and it's supposed to have this scope of the entire globe. Because mm-hmm. the book is like that. I really like the book, like the you know dispatches from around the world mm-hmm. from the Max Brooks book, and it just kind of fails to execute. Then again, I'll watch pretty much anything David Fincher does. So sure, yeah, he has failed to make a uninteresting movie for me. Mm-hmm. He's, Do not make. Is this his first? <laughs> that was complicated. Uh, how many? How many sequels has he done in the past? He did, if I'm not mistaken, Alien Three. Alien Three. I think that was his first movie he directed. Yeah. Well, seven. Did you guys see the first six? <laughs> <laughs> I saw nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The standalone gluttony movie is tough to get through. <laughs> you just gotta binge your way through them. Oh gosh. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, that's it for uh, news. We'll just wrap up kind of like what's in theaters this week. Last week we say your best bet was to watch The Circle. And our bad. <laughs> A critically Sorry. reviled movie that uh, uh, did very poorly at the box office. It's. Did they try and put it in a square hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it has now moved from... So it was a movie that, based off the trailer, I was just really interested in watching. And now it has moved to a movie that I'm really interested in watching to see how can this collection of actors all make something so bad. Yeah, like Hank's good, Emma Watson good, John Boyega good, like Karen Gillan, James Ponsel, the director, good. Technology, good. <laughs> I like technology. <laughs> And then... Circles? Good. Yeah. <laughs> the thrillers. I like a thriller. Apps. I like apps. Yep. Appetizers. <laughs> applications. Mozzarella sticks. Apple D app. <laughs> Unsung hero of... <laughs> you know what. He's un- he never gets to sing? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think, think he's he just like... I think he and Taboo just dance. Well, the podcast took an unexpected turn right there. <laughs> yeah. But I think we got a better... Got a better lay of the land this week. Really hope so. Your choice for this week's movies in the theater are narrowed down to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I don't think there's anything else that is going to supplant that, and I don't think that movie's going to bomb. It's definitely not going to bomb. No. Whether it's as good as the first, up for debate, doesn't have to be. It's all right. I mean, (laughs) you just have to be fun, because that's all that first movie was. The plot is just nothing in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, Plot, the villain, like that part was like whatever... It's just those characters were fun. I will give this movie ten extra points if they move the Infinity Gauntlet plot forward more than just a five second scene of someone looking disappointed sitting in a fucking chair. Will you cry <laughs> if he stands up? Oh my god. When he said, I guess I'm gonna have to do this myself, and then he looked like he was about to stand up and then didn't And, and then it's just like just chair move. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just fucking with you. Not only will he not stand up, but his chair will take him everywhere. Is he like is he anywhere or is he just floating in space? <laughs> I don't know. It people, didn't look like he was on a planet or Some anything. people know how to get there, so he's somewhere. <laughs> yes. He's he's hiding out. Yeah. He's low key. Also, isn't he like some like all powerful being? Yeah. Why he's... is he sending people to do stuff? <laughs> people who can fail. <laughs> he's Ugh. very lazy. He just, he right, well, he's chair. stuck in that chair. That's what it is. And he got he's got one of those office chairs and he cut a hole in the bottom and he can poop there and he can <laughs> You can like, do everything there. You like can your... scoot over to his fridge. 
That was the movie, right? Like one movie where he like like the thing flies throughout space. <laughs> or did I just dream that? <laughs> Not flies throughout space, but you see like the chair like go over to a thing. And <laughs> just makes it go What'd be better is if he has the little the little uh, controller thing on one of the, <laughs> the handles so it's just like <laughs> like it's a like it's a mechanized wheelchair. He sits sideways on it and it goes up the galaxy. He stands up and you realize that he's actually just a fat guy. <laughs> like a like a stair chair? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Like a, yeah, like Thanos is, Thanos is moving up to the second level and it's, my baby takes the morning train. But they just pan down and he's lost both of his legs to diabetes. <laughs> and then I'll feel bad. The last Infinity Gem is just a life alert necklace. <laughs> <laughs> One of the gems is just insulin. <laughs> it just needs galactic insulin. <laughs> so watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yeah, <laughs> we've offended the elderly, fat people, the disabled, people with diabetes, and who else? I don't know. The blind and deaf once, <laughs> but that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I don't think the deaf are going to catch on to our podcast and get too offended <laughs> by it. I mean. <laughs> Well, we definitely got that. Got that check bark box marked. Got that bark box. We're sponsored by Bark Box. We're not sponsored by Bark Box. No, we we can't. No. We're legally obligated to tell you we're not sponsored by Bark Box. But only that people we can lie about. But we do enjoy Bark Box. Yeah, I don't have to buy dog treats ever. <laughs> as far as please give us money. As far as projecting past uh, this weekend. I'm just going to drop it, because the only thing I could find was the King Arthur movie, and it looks pretty brutal from uh, the trailers. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam, whatever his name is. Yep. On that note, I think uh, we've descended into madness enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it, TJ is clearly our sanity touchstone, <laughs> with only three we descend quickly. <laughs> so I'll end it here. This was a Small Talk, a Talky Talk joint. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast for the media by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. You can connect with us on Twitter at the Media By Us. Email us via themediabyus at gmail.com or our Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV By Us, and Games By Us. We'd love to hear from you for any po- podcast topics or just say, don't do this again. <laughs> That'd be interesting Bring to Bring TJ back. Bring TJ back. <laughs> and um, I want to say thanks again to the Willow Walkers for providing the intro music. It's always gets stuck in my head whenever I hear it in a good way. And uh, thanks will be in the show notes for the outro music, whatever it is. I want to say... <laughs> Thanks to David for being here. Hey. Thanks to Brent for being here. Hey. And thanks to TJ for not being here. (laughs) (laughs) And that does it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. We're sorry. Are you trying to get an end credits bit right now? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No.